Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is Jeff Fidoten with Believe in Chiefs on the Believe Podcast Network, Kansas City's number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for every team in KC and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? On this week's show, former Chiefs offensive lineman Joe Valero and I talk about the Chiefs rookies who just completed uh, their rookie camp. Uh, but before we get into that fun football stuff, Joe, I wanted to talk about Another Joe Valero, who's pretty prominent. Uh, Joe Valero, who used to work for ESPN, um, produced sports reporters. I actually, even before we started working together, I had a chance to work uh, with him uh, on a, a book I edited. Uh, and you know, very ma- nice man, passed away at age 71. And not only I wanted to mention this to pay respects to a guy who is, who is not only great as job, but great to work with a great guy, but you know, there might have been some confusion out there. You guys are kind of the two famous Joe Valerio. So I just wanted to listeners, people on social media. There were a lot of posts from Adam Schefter, from uh, Jeremy Schapp, from from, uh, from so many people. Yeah, Jeff, he had a great, you know, great guy. I mean, obviously was at the forefront of that whole getting people on a stage together to talk about sports, right? And what the sports reporters show did for not only just for ESPN, I think, but for sports talk in general. I mean, it really brought together some diverse uh, diversity of of thought and the types of journalists that they, you know, that Joe Valerio was able to aggregate with that, um, with that panel. And then obviously the book that you worked on second to none, right. Was the bills, you know, was the bills story. And uh, yeah, he was really just a, just a sports, uh, you know, a little bit behind the scenes, right? Uh, legend uh, wasn't really was never really out in front, and was more involved in the writing and then in the producing of the shows. <clears throat> he was never on on camera, uh, but yeah, a lot of really great tributes and shout outs and everything um, to his career and to him as a person. Uh, you know, due to uh, due to his untimely death. So yeah, so that was, you know, that was kind of a really sad uh, thing for the sports world because he really did. It really did have an impact um, yeah. in, in the way we that talk about second sports. second to, to none book was great too. And it's funny because, yeah, you think of him as behind the camera and not necessarily being the one out there doing the reporting, the writing. Uh, but it was a really good book with full of cool tidbits. He was a huge Buffalo Bills fan. It had all kinds of great tidbits of how those Bills teams that went to all the Super Bowls in the 90s, how close they were. And they always hung out. They always hung out Jim Kelly's house and got – beer and wings and they would go like um all, all kinds of since you know it's buffalo and the winters were rough they would go uh all kinds of like winter activities they'd do together on you know snowmobiling and things like that and it's funny when i was assigned that book 
I was like, oh, Joe Valerio. I, I remember him. I, I grew up wa- uh, watching him and watching the Chiefs. So it was it's kind of a, a little bit of mistaken identity uh, when I first got assigned that project. Yeah, definitely, Jeff. People used to ask me that sometimes. They'd be like, man, you, you knew the Bills so well from playing them during your career. You wrote a book about them. I'm like, no, it's different, different Joe Valerio. You gotta, you know, you gotta do your research a little bit. Um, but you know, it did, when I did see all the stuff on social media and heard of his passing, it did make me think about a conversation that I had with Steve Bono when Steve was in Kansas city and we were there together. And, um, I actually had never met another Joe Valerio in my life up until that point. So it had been, it was either, Steve introduced me to him, I think in, it was 1995. And it was his um, high school, one of his high school football coaches name was Joe Valerio. And uh, there's in Norristown, Pennsylvania, which is about, you know, 20 minutes north of Philadelphia and about 40 minutes north of where I live now. So not really far at all. Um, that's where Steve Bono's from, right? And so uh, there was this Valerio Produce Company that a, a lot of times you would, we would see their trucks on the road uh, out here in the Philadelphia area, and we'd see these Valerio beautiful colored trucks. They were fruit, like just real colorful fruit on the sides. They were really pretty. And uh, people would say, oh, is that your fruit company? I'd be like, no, nah, no, nah, no relation. I mean, maybe some all the way back to Naples or something, you know, in Italy, maybe there was a, that's where, where the Valerio name originated from. But, um, you know, we may have had some relations, but none, no close connections here in the Philadelphia area. And I'll never forget, we're in the locker room one day and Steve comes up and goes, hey, Joe, uh, Joe, he called me Joe Valerio and he never called me Joe Valerio. He mm-hmm. would just call me Joe, right? And he goes, hey, Joe Valerio. And I was like, what's up with this? And so he says, I want you to meet Joe Valerio. He says, Joe Valerio, meet Joe Valerio. So he introduced <laughs> me to his, one of his uh, football coaches he had growing up, which was really cool. And, and we kind of hit it off. So, and, he, and he was kind of part of that whole Norristown, Pennsylvania, uh, Valerio produce family. Another, another Paisan. Uh, well, uh, rest in peace, uh, Joe. Now a word from our sponsor. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up and a great time to bet on things with the NBA playoffs about to tip off. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Uh, Joe, moving on to the Chiefs, who just uh, concluded the rookie camp. And, you know, this is interesting for several reasons. One, you know, last year, prior to training camp, there wasn't any on-field work. So it, it's exciting that they got a lot of people in um, to actually do that, uh, opposed to last year. And it's also interesting, you know, since since it was a small rookie class, we didn't have a first-round pick. Um there were only 29 uh, players there. You know, you had some tryout guys. You had some guys like Lucas Niang, who was drafted the previous year but opted out. Um, so, anyhow, Joe, uh, tell tell us what like kind of rookie camp is like. What was it like for you when you when you uh, debuted with the Chiefs? Well, what I'll what I'll bet on uh, using our Bet Online uh, sponsor <laughs> uh, terminology is that it's probably a lot different today with the collective bargaining agreement sure. than it was when when I was a rookie in 1991. A lot, a lot mean, less you know, hitting, right? Bet a yeah. lot less hitting. A lot, you know. We used to joke all the time, you know, Marty time equaled Lombardi time, and <laughs> so you know, we 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 really worked it. Um, 
you know, and I think, I think what's probably most different now is that they actually do give the rookies time to be rookies and come in together. Um, my first experience, like with the Chiefs, right? So we got drafted on, you know, draft night, right? Whatever day of the week that was back in, in 1991. And then by that next weekend, okay, so we got the weekend of the draft. And then the next weekend, they had flown us out for uh what what was then the first mini camp so so we were basically thrown right into the fire um that so I'm, I'm one week out of pen right and i always joke i was blocking biff mcnutty from harvard and then i'm you know i'm doing you know uh one-on-ones in a in a mini camp environment against Derek thomas like what the he- i'm like what the heck just <laughs> happened right like how did this, what happened in six days, you know, from the time I was at at Penn to now going against Neil Smith and Derek Thomas, it was like a whirlwind, right? So we were thrown right into the fire. So drafted one week, the next six days later, we're doing drills and we're learning, we're learning plays with the veterans. So it was so different back then that they didn't really give you that acclimation time. Our acclimation time was the rule back then was June 1st was the first day that r- rookies or college players, I should say, were allowed to come out to Kansas City. So I had to go to that mini camp, and then that was the last I had seen of Kansas City or anybody from Kansas City until June 1st. So that, you know, that, that first mini camp happened sometime in, in, it was either the last week in April or the first week in May. So I went a whole month back at school, right? I had to finish finals and, and graduate from college. And then the, the rule was back then that you came back out on June 1st. And that's when we came out for what, what they called off-season workouts, right? Or OTAs or, you know, they have a little bit of names for them. So it was really just, it was classroom in the morning, lifting, running, getting in condition, spending a little extra time as rookies to learn the playbook, but, but nothing as formal as having a rookie camp, which is, I think, awesome. Like, I think it's so cool. It, it, it harkens back for me to my days at Penn when my freshman year, we weren't allowed to play varsity. The Ivy League had a rule where the, um, the, the, the freshmen that came in, the first years that came into school, did not participate with the varsity. You played your own schedule and had your own team which was a really good way to come in. So I kind of liken what the NFL does now with this, with all this rookie stuff, with the rookie symposiums and the rookie camps and the rookie workouts. It kind of makes me think back to my first year in college where I didn't participate in varsity at our own, you know, first year team or freshman team. So it was, um, uh, you know, I, I just think they're they're in a much better position. And then we would, and then what we did is we worked out. We had another mini camp in in late June, and then you broke uh, around the around the first of July, and then you showed up for training camp, which was six you know straight weeks in in River Falls, Wisconsin. So rookies, I think today have it a lot better as far as making the the, the leap into the NFL game. They give you a little bit more of a runway for sure. Uh, you know, and Joe, what's interesting, like I said, how they only had 29 people uh, there, only four offensive linemen. So there weren't enough people really to do 11 on 11 work. They did some seven on seven stuff. Well, so what could you kind of get out of that as, as a player? I mean, are you just, are you just doing one-on-one drills? What could, 
what can uh, maybe you can speak to to the linemen especially because that was such an important with Niang coming back and Trey Smith drafted and of course Creed Humphrey drafted. Those were maybe one of the focal points of this uh, of the prominent rookies who were there. Yeah, I th- I, th- I mean obviously you're not going to like throw the pads on and just beat the heck out of each other, right? I mean that early on, everybody's just <laughs> trying to feel their way. You want want everybody go into training camp healthy. So you know I could imagine that right now. They're spending so much time with the playbook, right, and and learning the plays, techniques that you don't even need to really be wearing pads for, right? I mean, every line coach, I'm sure Coach Heck is going to have, for those offensive linemen in particular, he's going to have techniques he's going to need them to learn. And he's going to want to spend time, you know, looking at their feet and their hand placement and the way they carry their bodies so that he can fit and mold them into the type of blocking schemes that that they may uh, that they're going to have in Kansas City that they may or may not have had, you know, when they were in college. It's really a time for them to throw everything that they learned away and really allow the coaches to mold them, right, and to mold them into becoming the player and the, and the physical sort of uh, attributes they need to bring to the NFL game. So it's a really, you know, it's all going to be about sort of that seventy-five percent mental. And 25%, you know, pure physical technique stuff rather than, you know, all these guys played major college football. You know, they, they know how to play football. Now it's about getting them embedded into the Chiefs culture, embedded into the playbook, and, and sort of seeing what attributes they'll need to work on over the course of the summer so they get ready for, you know, get ready for training camp and into those preseason games. Sounds like a lot of it is then technique and plays. Now with four offense linemen, how do they do that? Do you think they have uh, a coach fill in for that fifth offense lineman, or can you just run plays with just fewer linemen like that? Um, how does that work, Joe? Yeah, if they, they, you know, if they're gonna if they're gonna put some pads on and 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 go through some plays, they'll just maybe they'll skip having a left tackle or having a right tackle, or you know, they'll they'll bop people around or. Maybe they'll get somebody, you know, on to, from defense to stand in or, you know, kind of be a placeholder for them. And they'll run maybe one direction or the other. And, you know, they'll run all their plays to the right. And then maybe they'll switch one of the tackles, one of the rookies over and put them on the left at left tackle and, you know, kind of let them run, you know, learn a little bit of a different position just so they can get a feel for it. Um, I'm sure having four linemen, they probably spend a lot of time in seven on seven drills. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some, some of the old school coaches will call it skeleton drill or skelly where it's just seven on seven, you know, where you're really just focused on the passing game. Um, and, and that's, cause that's really, you know, that's where a lot of the learning is going to take place. It's going to take place in the passing game. So you can, you can do a lot in the passing game with four linemen. If you just, just tell the, you know, if you don't have a right tackle in there, you just tell the left defensive end, don't sack the quarterback, <laughs> you know, just kind of like go to your spot and, and, and stand there and, you know, kind of so that they can, so that they can do some team drills. And so they probably, I, I, I would imagine they, they probably focused their passing game. 85% of what they did in this rookie camp was, was all about passes. And Joe, you, you are dead on that. Coach Reed even said himself that seven on seven was like one of the main things they did. Uh, for, and that was a, a focal point. Any of these uh, rookies that you're particularly excited about or interested about some tidbits there that you might be wanting to share? 
Yeah, I mean, I, 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 what I thought was really interesting was their numbers selection. Uh, you know, the numbers, I know it's not uh, not completely football related, but hey, it's the off season and we get to talk about these kind of things, right? Get to talk about some of the fun stuff. The only player that uh, received their collegiate number was, um, uh, you know, was Cornell Powell, uh, number 14, you know, the fifth round selection out of, out of Clemson. Everybody else was given a number that they're going to be unfamiliar with, you know, based on the fact of what they wore in college. It, maybe it wasn't available. You know, obviously, you know, for Noah Gray, he wore 87 in college. I don't think they're giving him 87 I think <laughs> to somebody else, you know, unless Travis wanted to make a swap or something, you no, know, no gray but, right now does not have a mo- enough money to his name yeah. to, to, the, to get the rights, whatever it would take to swap money with it. With Kelsey. So. So I think, yeah, I think so 87 was going to be locked up uh, pretty good, but you know, that's, that's something that, you know, sometimes college, you know, sometimes uh, in the NFL, they, you know, they, they want you to make a break from, you know, from the, the number that you had in college. I, I actually, you know, I had requested, um, give a little inside baseball here, well, inside football, right? We're not actually a baseball podcast, but uh, give you a little inside baseball on, on my number selection. Um, I was 75 all throughout college, and it was a number that I really would have loved to have had in Kansas City. And then I'll never forget, you know, Alan Wright, who's the current equipment manager who, who was there. He, he was sort of Mike Davidson, who was the head equipment manager back then in the early 90s. Uh, you know, he used to give that, that, uh, he delegated that task to, to Alan as far as assigning numbers. And, and so I got there for that first, you know, mini camp after the draft. And, and I said to Alan, I said, um, you know, can I wear num- number 75? Because it was, it was listed as an available number. And he said, no. And I said, oh, okay. Um, but it's available. How, how come I can't wear it? And he said, well, he said, the Chiefs don't really want that number to be used this year because they had had a sort of a contract dispute with Irv Eatman, who was number 75 in up until that point, right? So I think they were just kind of like taking a break from the number 75. <laughs> so I was like, hmm, okay. Um, well, I guess I'm not wearing 75 anymore. So I looked at the available numbers and I saw 73. Uh, you know, was an available number. And um, I have to be honest, and I, I mean no offense to our, our Chiefs long, long time fans, but I didn't, I didn't know any histories of the players behind number 73. But for me growing up, 73 belonged to a, a, a player, a defensive player named Joe Klecko. Oh, and, sure. And, and I think a lot of our, you know, our diehard football fans will remember Joe Klecko. Great Some of them pro- pro- yeah. probably remember him from Smokey and the Bandit, you know, when he started uh, <laughs> opposite uh, uh, Burt Reynolds. But Joe Klecko was from my hometown. And um, he did, we didn't go to the same high school. He went to a parochial school uh, called St. James Catholic High School in Philadelphia. And, uh, and then he ended up going to Temple. And he played at Temple, and then he had that, you know, tremendous career with the sack exchange in with the New York Jets, right? Klecko, Gastineau, uh, Marty, Marty Lyons, Lyons. and uh, so I, I saw that seventy-three, and the light bulb went off because Joe Klecko was actually the honorary game captain at my senior year in high school All-Star game, so I got to meet him. And, um, you know, so when I was a senior in high school, we had a local county all-star game we used to play in the spring and I got selected to play in that game. And, uh, I got to meet Joe Klecko cause he was our honorary captain. And, um, and so from then on, I, you know, I knew when I saw that 73, 
was available, I, I jumped on it sort of in honor of, of, of a local hero of mine, uh, Joe Klecko. So that, that's how I ended up wearing number 73. So maybe, you know, maybe Nick Bolton has some affiliation with the number 54 and why he chose it, you know, in Kansas City other than the 32 that he wore at Mizzou or, you know, the same for Creed Humphrey, right, number 52. Um, so, you know, you never know. There might be some other little connection, but that was my connection to the number 73 and, and where it started for me in KC. And Joe Klecko was a great player. You mentioned the New York Sack Exchange, one of my favorite sports moniker nicknames in the history of sports. And, uh, yeah, he was an outstanding player. His son even ended up playing in the NFL for the Patriots and Colts. Was, didn't have quite the same career as his father was on some good teams. And it's interesting, Joe, that – I understood that you could want 75. That's one of the kind of, I think 75 is one of the iconic kind of football numbers, you know, 32, 58, 56. There's some good ones. And you think of uh, Mean Joe Green, one of the best to ever play. Uh, yeah. Speaking of Pennsylvania uh, guys or obviously played for the Steelers. Yeah. The other interesting number thing is when you mentioned Cornell Powell, given 14, which with Sammy Watkins number. I mean, a lot of people think he will be the guy who eventually will kind of replace him. So kind of maybe some symbolism there that that that's the number that he, he received. Yeah. Yeah. You you never know. Right. I mean, that's unlike where they didn't let me wear 75, maybe they wanted it a fifth one. They wanted that 14 right back in there to kind of keep, keep that ball rolling. And one of the other things too, I think Jeff, that's really exciting about this, this group that's, that's in is they're all signed all the draft picks are signed, you know, that, that was, I think that was really, uh, I think that was really smart of Brett B to get, get those players signed. We're not going to have any contract disputes with the draft picks at least, right. You never know with any other free agents and things coming into the season, but in the training camp, if they, you know, make sure they get everything settled, but at least with the rookies that they drafted, there will be no contract disputes and they're, they're all signed, which I think is, is really cool. And that'll, that'll just take away from any noise you know, Brett Beach is basically taking care of any distraction from that perspective going into the season, which is pretty cool. One of, one of the biggest storylines from the rookie mini camp, again, was from somebody who is not actually a rookie and Lucas Niang, a guy who opted out uh, last year because of COVID um, and, and who could be in the mix this year for some time at uh, right tackle. That's kind of the position that's really – we're not certain on – They've got so much talent there. We've mentioned so much depth along the offensive line. Right tackle, though, might be the position that is most in flux. Is that going to be Remmers? Is it going to be Niang? Is it going to be Wiley? Joe, did you just see anything, just kind of the videos you've seen or just uh, anything from his body type that even struck you from from Niang? Well, he's got the body for it, right? He looks like a tackle, Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, if I had to be honest about it, I think, you know, Mike's obviously they're all big guys right they're all off nf offensive line on the size it's just when i see lucas i see more of a tackle like you know when you see mike 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 remmers i see more of a guard like i don't mm-hmm. know it's just maybe it's some weird vision that i have you know kind of my bucket that i put you know body types into and um i just yeah i just i just think he looks like a tackle he looks like a right tackle he he has the feel he's got the feet for it right he can he's quick enough and he's athletic enough to get those edge rushers and to block linebackers out on the edge in the run game 
but you know also powerful enough to to really plow up through you know through the middle so I just kind of see him as I see him there I, th- I think it's going to be I think you're absolutely right Jeff that is going to be a battle royal um it's like an old WWF uh battle royal for for the right tackle spot for sure last thing take I know things have changed so much here. Like you said, there was so much more contact back in the back in the day when you played. But take us through kind of your emotions when you uh, first for the first time you joined the Chiefs for the for that camp. I, I assume you were super excited, super nervous, super anxious. What are these guys kind of feeling? Yeah, well, well, you know, they're 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 you know the, the game has changed so much, Jeff. The, these players they go to college now, and everything is so different. Um, you know, I'll tell you one, here's a really interesting, weird little thing that for me, when they handed me my first Chiefs helmet and I looked at it and I said, oh, wait a minute, the arrowhead is a decal. Like I thought, I thought NFL helmets, like they were painted with the, with the logo on it. Like I was like, wait a minute, this is a decal just like my college helmet had a decal on it. Like I expected that helmet to be made for the Chiefs. Like that, 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 that arrowhead was, you know, actually like, not painted on, but like part of the helmet. And I was like, this is a red helmet with a decal. Wait a minute. This is the NFL. Like what happened? I thought, I thought this, this helmet was supposed to be, you know, uh, something totally different. And then I realized, okay, it's, it's, it's a football game, just like the college game that I was playing. And that actually, believe it or not, helped me with my transition rather than, rather than like making me feel like I couldn't do it. I just said, okay, you know, kind of like that whole mentality that, you know, you tell people, Hey, go out there and, play your game. They put their pants on the same way you do, right? Everybody's heard that, that sort of mantra in sports. Don't, don't stress about this game. You know, that, that player puts his pants on the same way you do, right? One leg at a time. And that's kind of how I felt about it when I saw it. I was like, oh, okay, th- these uniforms and, and, and the equipment, it's the same stuff I've been wearing in college. Like, I can do this. Like, it actually took the intimidation factor away for me. That's um, really interesting. Yeah. You know, and yeah. they actually, uh, Todd Haley I think it was Todd Haley when he was the head coach of the Chiefs. He had spent some time in Dallas, and Bill Parcells is a motivational uh, tactic. Um, when he was in Dallas, he gave everybody helmets, and they had to earn the Cowboys' star decal. So I think the Chiefs, for some time under Haley, had some of the guys were running around with blank helmets, and they had to earn the Arrowhead decal. So yeah, that that became a thing. Joe, who was the uh, first round pick your year? Who Harvey was, Williams. Harvey Williams. Okay, you Harvey were obviously Williams. the second round pick. I okay. came after Harvey. Tim Barnett was was the third pick, and uh, yeah, so we. I'll never forget that in that rookie mini camp or the mini camp when it was actually the first time the rookies were there. It wasn't a actual rookie mini camp. Right. right. I'll never forget uh, Harvey. Harvey. I was supposed to room with Harvey. Right. The first and second round picks room together. Harvey wanted his own room. <laughs> so I, I, Tim had the room with me. So Tim Barnett had the room with me. Uh, so it was, it was really funny. And, you know, we, Tim and I talked about that, you know, they were like, Oh, Harvey got his own room, you know, first round pick. And uh, he, he was big time in us, but, but Tim, Tim, uh, Tim's cousin was, was Freddie Barnett who played with the Eagles who, you know, we kind of had some conversations about Fred Barnett and, uh, and uh, he said, well, you must've seen, you know, my, my cousin Fred play. And I was like, oh, absolutely. Tim, a huge Eagles fan. And, so we, we kind of hit it off, hit it off right away. Very cool. Well, great stuff there, Joe, uh, talking about the rookie camp and what, what they experience. Well, if you enjoyed this show, which is presented by Bet Online, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. 
Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.